When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are now just 24 hours away from a gigantic UFC pay-per-view. And it hasn't been one in this city, for the UFC anyway, in about, oh, I don't know, 20 years. But we're back. It's time. And so, as BC likes to say, it's time for real talk, like men do. It's the morning combat UFC 287 pregame preview. That's Brian Campbell, and you know the Hall of Famer at the end there. That's Sugar Rashad Evans. How you doing, Rashad? It's good to be back with you guys, man. Yes. It's been a long time. I was starting to feel like we weren't, you know. Yeah, was it something with that he said <laughs> or what? I mean, what's going on here? It's great to have our brother Hey, what's up back. with the uh, thingy there that you got? Oh, uh, this is a little, you know, a stone. It's one of these. Oh, yeah. Are you like, uh, who is it, Jared Cannonier? Who, like, big into crystals? Um, I'm big into crystals and stones, and I got, you know. He's been a big stuff. fan of getting stoned for a long time, too. <laughs> with crystals, <laughs> yes. With crystals. I think it kind of comes with the whole, you know, the thing. You know, you get the mushroom kit, you get the, you know. Yes. It all comes with it. I dig the power crystals. I'm down with Jared Cannonier too. But uh, thank you for stepping into this very real talk that we do here to set the stage for this pay-per-view. Uh, doesn't it look like we're at, like, a poker table at the Palms in, like, 2004 right now? I mean, <laughs> a little bit. It's really dark and ridiculous. I but, need some uh, dirty poker chips to play with. But shout-out to CBS Sports for having us here in Fort Lauderdale. But, Rashad, this is your territory as, yeah, as yeah. Florida man these days. How, how is life as before we get into this card? Life is great man life is great um you know moved somewhere got a little more property you know spread out left the boca area now i'm in the farm are you farming now i'm farming now farmer now listen i wear nothing but linen all the time like <laughs> i'm like a straight hippie out there man I, I, that, that's it man i got my my hippie space that's it i'm just trying to find my place in the sun yeah fair enough you know what's interesting we were talking about this the last time the ufc was here in miami i think ufc 40 something like that it was around 2003 and uh, I, I was saying this to uh, someone else earlier today. I remember distinctly after that event, I was on the underground at the time, the forum, and there was a video that popped up between Joe Rogan and Jeremy Horn describing like how the Miami audience was just not that great. And, and, it, and they were right. Like if you just go back and pay attention, they, they were not in any way wrong. But it feels like so much has changed in Miami, in the, the greater South Florida area. You've been here now for quite some time. Boy, it's really turned into a combat sports, I won't say mecca. Yeah, but not just the gyms, but the fans came around, is yeah, your point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Know? Like, everything kind of grew up here in South Florida. I wonder if you could speak to what kind of changes you've seen and how now they're going to bring a pay-per-view here. It's going to do well. The crowd's going to be into it. How did all this happen? Well, I feel it's because of the great teams out of South Florida. It's kind of gotten people to realize that there were great teams in South Florida, you know. And, uh, you know, it's a bit of pride as well, too. So now... You started to see it with a lot of the shows that come on the PFL and you know uh, the bare knuckle boxing, mm -hmm. all these different shows. They sell out at the Hard Rock, and a lot of fight fans come. A lot of people want to be part of it. A lot of people want to know what's going on, and just you know, the stars. I would say you know you can't forget about the Jorge Masvidal, these guys. You know the Kamaru Usman's. These guys are, are carrying the torch and making South Florida MMA. Uh, what it is today. You can feel the difference as like a huge difference. You know what I mean? Like even just from walking around, like, you know, from a walk around aspect, I used to be able to walk around every once in a while, somebody hit me up. But now when I'm out and about, it's just wow, a whole nother level. But he's day one-ish, Black Zillions. You know what I'm saying? Day right. one. Yeah. Way day one. Yeah, right. He's the day one there guy, A1. Um, so let's talk about this. We got a UFC 287 card. We have to start things off just one of the most unique 
In many ways, it's just a rematch, but in every other way, it's not just a rematch. It's a quadrilogy. Okay. It's a qu well, I'm saying in MMA, it's a rematch. He's had two sets of rematches, basically, between kickboxing and MMA, with the champion Alex Pereira defending his title against the former champ, the guy who he just beat, uh, Israel Adesanya. So let's get to this. How do you view what must be going through Izzy's mind right now? You, you're, I love talking to Rashad for many yeah. reasons, one of which is, I feel like, and I'm being dead serious about this, your understanding of the mental headspace that fighters are in at various stages of success and failure and beginnings and endings, all that stuff, you really know. Boy, what state is he in right now? Well, like you said, he's got to be mentally just getting himself ready for what's to come. And, you know, he's been quiet all week. He's getting himself in that tunnel vision, trying to watch his energy, trying to watch how much he's giving out. When I got knocked out on Machida, the hardest fight for me was the very next fight, and I fought Tiago. And I did, I had every, I did everything I could to prepare for that, that fight, including something I never did before, which was mental work. I got me a, a performance coach, and I really dived into that training as hard as I did the physical training, because it was so hard for me to, to get that ghost out of my mind, you know? And it was one that would haunt me at the weirdest times, and I'm like, can I take a shot? And my chinny? And I had these doubts in myself. And as I was fighting Tiago, I'm just dismissing, nope, I am this, I'm still this, I'm still this, until the third round when I got caught with that big shot. And the first thing that was going through my mind was not again, not again, wow. not again. Mm. But I was able to muster, mu uh, muster through it and get to the other side. But what's going on, is he's right now, mine right now? He doesn't want to get hit again, and he's thinking about what I need to do mentally to get ready for it's the fight. It's interesting because it is similar, the storyline here, to what Kamaru Usman just went through. When you yeah. lose your title in the fifth round as a big favorite against a guy in a rematch, that certainly brings danger, but people think you're the champion, you're one of the pound-for-pound -pound best, if not the best, you should win that. Not as dramatic or, or fluky, all the Leon Edwards head kick was not a fluke, we get that, but when you rewatch this first MMA meeting between them at UFC 281, I am, I am moved by how close Pedro was the whole night. It's right. not like, you know, Izzy just slowed down due to fatigue or injuries and got caught. It was Pedro was right there, a uh, half beat off the whole time, putting on that mental, that physical pressure that I know I often play into when we break down these fights. Luke will get deep in the weeds, rightfully so, on the game planning and the X's and O's. And sometimes I do try to look at the mental side because learning from you, doing a podcast with you for years, you know, if you're fighting your wife, that's going to affect Everything, That's going to affect yeah. the game right there. So at what point is this going to be a pattern in Adesanya's mind? Yes, he can say, I was beating uh, Padeda in kickboxing until I lost it. I was beating him at 281 until I lost it. You can talk yourself just like Kamaru did into the idea that I already know of the totality. I'm the better fighter. But we have three pieces now of history telling you that this guy's your boogeyman at the end of your video game. I don't yeah. care how strong you are mentally, that's gotta knock on your door every morning, you know? Yeah, 100%, and it's, and it's one of those things that you have to think that Izzy's gotta be thinking, okay, if I can't get past this guy, what does the rest of my career look like? You know, and, and that's one, as a fighter, you try not to, try not to go down that path because it's one that you just brings more questions than answers, right? And you try to always have as many answers as you can, so you don't go down that path, but, at the same time, it's still there. It's real. It's a real thought. And as Teddy Atlas says, uh, a fighter becomes 30% better when he becomes champion. Yeah. So what we've seen out of Pereira, hmm. he's going to be a different guy in there come Saturday. And Izzy's got to get ready for that guy because he's faced the guy three times before that, but he's never faced this version. You know, what's interesting is he was winning the second kickboxing fight basically until he wasn't. And he was winning the first MMA fight basically until he wasn't. Rashad, would you agree 
that you, if you don't, I'll by all means say so, but would you agree that Izzy seems to be more well-rounded, but Lord have mercy, the, we were talking about this earlier, the margin of error that yeah. you have with Pereira is so small. But do you agree that Izzy yeah. has more skills? Yeah, absolutely. When I when I watch the two of them, Izzy definitely has more skills. He definitely has more understanding of what to do inside the octagon, and uh, he's a very smart fighter. You know, he doesn't have all the physical skills yet, as far as like being able to, you know, dominate with just a wrestling aspect, being able to take open shots. But he gets it well enough where he can dominate in a position over Pereira. Um, that's a lot of ground to cover in itself. But at the end of the day. When you're Pereira and you have that ability just to land that one shot late in the fight, right. despite you getting smacked the whole fight, that's a big problem. And as you, you put out, you know, Pereira was just missing it just by that much. And to not give in to the frustration of not being able to hit it even though you're that close is another, you know, cap in the feather yeah, so for Pereira. Yeah, so he has, like, uh, it's, we can talk all we want about what Pereira doesn't have in this transition, and it's been a remarkable transition. He, you know, yeah. he had, what, four or five pro fights when he came to the UFC. Right now he's got eight pro fights. He's the champion against a wrestler who predominantly wrestles. He's still could, probably going to look bad and lose the title, potentially. But what he does have, he leans on. There's something to be said intangibly about the ability to walk through hell, he did at the end of round yeah. one, to keep that poison pressure with the patience knowing that I might not get Izzy in round one and two with this move, but if I slow him down and he's not relying on that movement as much, I'm going to eventually catch him. He really is that boogeyman at the end of the video game because he's not, like, he'll finish you if you give him the chance early. But he's built for that long haul. Yeah. That's a tough guy to beat if you can't expose his inefficiencies. You watched 281 probably with a fine-tooth comb. There were moments where Adesanya actually wrestled and put Padeda mm -hmm. in bad spots. But you know Adesanya's not a day-to-day -day wrestler. He wasn't able to make him pay for that. Is that equation going to change at all in this fight? I was going to ask Rashad the same thing because, Rashad, you know this really well. The first thing you learn when you learn wrestling is mostly defensive wrestling. Right. You learn how to defend takedowns, how to sprawl, how to do all that stuff. It's, it's the offensive stuff comes after. And I would argue, personally, I think the offensive side is just much more difficult to get the timing on a takedown and executing it and, and making it stick. And you saw Izzy struggle with that a couple times, right? Yeah. He did get some takedowns, and then some other times he couldn't. In fact, remember, I think it was in the second round or so, Pereira took him down uh, yeah. very, very briefly at the end of the round. But you get the idea. Yeah, what do you make of, of Izzy's, I want to talk about his game plan in a second in the first MMA fight, but what did you make of his wrestling in the first MMA fight? You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, anywhere near top notch, but it was effective, right? And, and for the effective enough, I'll give it an A for that because of the effectiveness of it. But I will say this, there's a pacing that goes along with being able to wrestle. Like, I, if I'm not used to wrestling in a fight situation, it's gonna throw the pacing of everything else that I do off. You know, if I'm not, mm. I can exert so much energy with the takedown, when I get back up to the, on my feet in the open octagon, now I'm a little bit labored and I don't have that pop like I did before because I, 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 I put so much into the grappling and I'm not used to doing that. So there's a whole nother element of just being able to off your wrestling yes. in a fight and that's being able to pace yourself with using your wrestling. Now has Izzy done that this camp? That's going to be the, the true trick in seeing if his wrestling is going to be effective because I know that Pereira prepared to sprawl and brawl, but how deep in the woods sure. can Izzy get with that wrestling? And, and true or false? Izzy's success in wrestling in their first meeting last November actually hurt him in the long run because it tired him out and slowed him down a bit. I think it really did. Again, Rajat and I were talking about this. Yeah. It's like if you're going to have a stick-and-move game plan, over here, over there, yeah, there. Yeah, if you're going to, oh, that's, that's on them, not me. There's, look at that, Rashad. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> but no, seriously, if you're going to have a, a, a stick-and-move game plan, that's fine. But the reality is, 
through the sticking and moving, the sticking part has to be hard enough that they are confused or disciplined in some kind of way. Like you can't, like, oh, if, I, if I close this distance, am I going right. to get popped again? If you don't introduce that, it becomes a big problem. And the thing with that really got Izzy in the, the first MMA fight, Rashad, for me, was the leg kicks. Now, mm. if you look at Izzy's offensive, just in terms of numbers, I've studied this over and over again. He's a monster leg kick guy, both in volume and like landing and then getting away, resetting, repositioning. It does so many things for him. Dude, in the Jan Blachowicz fight, Izzy couldn't get the leg kicks off because they kept getting checked. So it brought Izzy closer into punching range, but that of course also brought him into takedown range for Jan Blachowicz. Right. It got rid of it. Pereira, there's tons of highlights. He's just walking through the leg kicks, checking them as he moves in. So you're, if you're Izzy, you're saying to yourself, wait a second now, I have to solve two problems here. One. I can't get my leg kicks going like I did, like I usually do. So how am I going to get that working? Or am I going to wrestle a little bit more? But to the point you raised, not only is there a pacing, when has Izzy ever won a fight wrestling? When has he ever won a fight dominating another guy like that? And there's another part to this too, Rashad, which is you say it's only eight fights. Pereira keeps talking about his own evolution in terms of his own takedown defense, in terms of his own wrestling. There's a little part of me that wonders the time to wrestle Pereira if you're Izzy was the last fight, which he did some yes, of, but not yes. enough of. And now this time it will be too late. I wonder what you make of all of that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel like that was last fight's game plan. I feel like this fight game plan has to be a little bit different. Maybe not takedowns, maybe wall and brawl, right? Be better against the wall, get him against the wall, make him pay against the wall. A lot of fighters don't utilize the wall enough. You see guys like Randy Couture, one title fights just keeping the guy on the wall with his brawling ball. Yes. I'm not saying he needs to be Randy, but I feel like it needs to be something along that lines where it's kind of gritty, kind of nasty, but then it allows him to get out in the open space and use his striking to really open things up. But I feel like with Pereira, you know, his evolution is still yet to come. We're still yet to see what this guy can do. And we know he has a high learning curve because he's eight, fight in, eight fights in and he's the champion. And he's going with, the, he's got a guy like Glover Teixeira in his corner who's a dog in himself. But Glover's a guy who can train with him. Yes. He can be heavy on him. He can work him. He can really make him feel what it's like to get up for somebody who's good on bottom. Right. So his growth and, and, and the cap capabilities behind that is so high, and Izzy, like I said, he's going to be fighting a different guy on Saturday. Well, also, hold on, I, one more yeah. thing on this, if I may. You know, I I remember when you beat the Hill, Hillbilly Heartthrob to win the Ultimate Fighter, and it was at and uh, heavyweight, heavyweight, the yeah. heavyweight. Dude, look at the size of this middleweight. Dude, he doesn't. Yes. He's the listen. I'm tall. I'm six foot four. I can sit next to Izzy. He's either my height or just slightly a little bit taller. But he's not super. You know, like a, a big guy in terms of the right. size. Holy shit, Pereira's shoulders and his height, he looks like he could be a heavyweight, yeah. much less a 205 or a middleweight. And then he's and then he's working, he's basically moving into the house and gym of, of, of Glover Teixeira. Right. And then, like you said, getting to work with him. And I've seen the video of them working there. They're going after it. Yeah, they're they're getting after it. after it. I mean, it's gritty, but I want to ask you something because ahead of this fight, the last fight, excuse me, 281 last fall, I'd started to say, look, a lot of people are calling Adesanya boring again, coming off of that, that cannoneer win where it's sort of like, you know, we ask these challengers at that point against this dominant champion, you're not going to win it hanging out on the outside trying to find that one big moment. You know what I mean? you gotta, you got to put on the pressure and really try to bring that moment to him. Obviously, that's hard to do because Izzy's naturally perfect counterpuncher and welcomes that and can side that. I did ask ahead of that fight if I said, well, look, 
maybe for Izzy at the end of the day, it's get this guy before he gets you, which right. is just the idea of I'm going to plan on trying to finish him early, you know, in the first half of the fight because I don't want to be there with him in those later rounds. Do you know what I took away rewatching this fight at length? Mm. Is even though Pereira's putting on constant pressure and it becomes a, a narrative and a thing that's changing Izzy over time because Izzy's never able to flow. He's never able to get away. He's always being backed up to the cage but it's never an overextension. It's never reckless. For all right. the inexperience Padeta has, he never puts himself over that line of extending too much to bring out that counter-punching Adesanya at the end of round one, yes, but not on a, tradition, on a consistent level. So that's basically where Adesanya does better when a, lim when a less limited slug or a Costa is coming at him, you know, somewhat predictably or re recklessly. This guy's coming at him consistently, but he's bigger than him, he's stronger, and he's standing just close enough without going over mm -hmm. that he's still making Iz Izzy make the moves. Do you think now in their fourth fight in their second MMA one that being more offensive and taking the lead against Pereira may be the thing that... Finally starts to back him up. Finally starts to get him second guessing. Is there a vision for you where Izzy comes out jabbing, comes out takedown threatening, comes out forward trying to push the bully back? I'll say this much. I actually feel like if you're Izzy, you probably have to have a game plan that it's interesting. This fight is either going to be Izzy winning or Izzy losing much quicker than he did the first time. Yeah. In other words, I think Rashad, he's going to put together a game plan where he's going to be, it has to be much, not like crazy offensive white dynamic, but relative to the last one, more offensively um, uh, centered, right? Yeah. And I think that's going to expose him to more risk, but it's also going to expose, expose him to potentially more rewards. And in that little space, I don't know what's going to give, but obviously if you expose yourself to risk against Pereira, you can have a really short, bad night. I think Izzy has to risk that in order to get to the place where he can have enough offense to do that to him. 100%. You know, I feel like with Izzy, it's all about being able to get into that heavy fake game that he has, yeah. but use those fakes to really start to double up on those jabs. And I feel like he did his best work when he was doubling up on his jab, when he was doubling up on punches, because Pereira does such a good job of, of countering. And he has such a style where he... He puts pressure on you, and the pressure that he puts on you is imminent danger. <laughs> you feel the imminent danger, so that makes you go out of sequence. Mm -hmm. And when you go out of sequence too many times, that's when you're more susceptible to the counter because you're not on your timing. So Izzy has to get his timing back. Whatever, whatever that means as far as like pushing a pace, he's going to have to take some, take some risk because you're not getting that guy out of there, Pereira if you're not taking some risk. And the risk that he's gonna have to take is gonna have to be where he lost the fight at, which is in, in the striking department. He's gotta earn the respect in the striking department early, sooner than later, because that's gonna be the bridge that Pereira has to cross if he wants to land and, that left hook. You think of that, that pressure that, that is so constant, it creates mental fatigue, the fighters oh, always say, where it, it starts to tire you out because you're so overly focused on it. You don't see that being able to be weaponized at this truly elite level in the way he did in that first fight. You know, you know uh, Tyrone Spung, he's the absolute master at it. He's a counter-striker, but you wouldn't think he's a counter-striker by how aggressive he is, but he walks you forward and he has such a tight guard and he's structurally sound. So when you're like, okay, he's putting pressure, he's gonna go, I'm feeling like he's gonna go, so I need to go first. Then you go first, yeah. and then he's countering you, and he was waiting for the counter the whole time. And that's what you've seen Pereira do when he fought against Strickland, you know, was just getting a beat, getting a beat. Okay, reading, reading, boom, caught him with the left hook. So 
is he's going to have to break past that and he's going to have to be first and he's going to have to be last. We've all talked about, and we will hear more in just a second, about what it means if Izzy loses. But I do want to talk about what it means if he wins, right? Rashad, I wonder what if you could, like, I don't know how you would view it. To me, it would be, certainly would not erase any of the losses that he has. I don't mean to say that, I mean, everything that happened counts and it stands. But I do think it would be proof of concept of what Izzy has said, which was, I was this close in the second kickboxing fight, I had your ass up until, you know, the end or middle part of the fifth or whatever it was, the timing. And again, if he turned in a winning performance on Saturday, it'd be like, you see, I, I actually was the better one. I just had to clean up a few things the whole way. I wonder how you would perceive things for Izzy, assuming he actually has a really triumphant moment on Saturday. You know, if, if he has a triumphant moment, I feel he goes on to be one of the greatest of all time. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I say that because you got a guy in Izzy who is just absolute beautiful to watch. I love to watch him fight. He's, he, he's pure entertainment, just so technically sound, and really show the beauty of the sport in such an elegant way. It's beautiful violence, right? That's what he does so well. And to be able to get past a guy like Pereira would mean that he did exercise that boogeyman. And every great fighter, who is going to be remembered, is remembered because of what they overcame. He needs Pereira. Yes. He needs him. He needs him, and he needs to get over this. You know, and if, and if he does it, it's going to be something, another story, but, but him getting over it is such a huge... But, say, think oh, about oh, it. Oh, but hold on, think about it. It's not just, well, GSP did that when Matt Sarah came back a second time. Well, Nunes did that when Juliana Pena came back a second time, and that's what real champions do. This guy's done that three times. This yeah. is the okay. leg this is part of your legacy that there's this guy that's been following you around the globe, and every time you <laughs> pop up and have great success, he's there to be that. So let me ask you, you know, they, used to, they used to call me an accidental C blocker inside the nightclubs. Do you know what I mean? Where I'd come up to you and be like, Rashad, Rashad, <laughs> that lady is looking fine. But we gotta go home, uh, man. Okay, we gotta go home. This, this, this night hasn't worked out for me. All right? I have a serious Everything question for sucks. you. I was trying to think of any boxing analogy, and it doesn't work because we're talking about two different sports: kickboxing and MMA, where this guy's had success. But Juan Manuel Marquez fought Pacquiao four, four times, times, and it wasn't until the fourth time, and that was the final one, where he completely closed the show. And he also thought he got screwed in each stop on the way there. I understand, so it's different. Do you see any parallels, potentially, between the Marquez-Pacquiao quadrilogy and then this situation? Not really, because of the two the elements that two of these three fights have involved Izzy being in full control, and really arguing, what's that third fight, the, the other kickboxing fight? Izzy said forever, the judges got it wrong. I, I beat that guy. So yeah. it, I guess there is. Okay, that does bring in the, the element of... A little bit. A little bit of that Marquez side of it where, where Marquez was just so sick of, in his eyes, getting screwed so that the more popular fighter could get on the... That, that's why this is different. In this case, Izzy's the more popular golden boy where it's Pedeta, who's been following him around the globe, actually left his sport as a two-division champion in glory to, to, to continue in his mid-30s to follow this guy. By the way, Pedeta's going to be 36, I think, in May. Right. Okay? We, we haven't talked about so, that either. Wow. Older so, guy. so what makes this different is that, you know, Adesanya's the one who Pedeta probably watched go to the UFC, have this meteoric rise in his first two years, become the champion, become pound for pound, and he's like, I beat that guy twice. I knocked that guy out. That's my moment. That's my money. So in that case, Adesanya, I mean, it's Pedeta who's playing the role of Marquez. That's what, dude, when we do this show pregame preview, we did it with Chuck Mendenhall ahead of the first fight. And you know Chuck, he is just so mm -hmm. salient. Is that the yeah. word I'm looking for? Maybe, it depends. Viral? No, viral. Yeah, viral, that's it. Yeah, yeah, meaning his seed. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, mm -hmm. that. Chuck said, 
we may have got this wrong this whole time. This rivalry, we always thought it was the story of Adesanya, right? Finally getting this guy off his back. It's really the story of Pedeta up to this point. You know what I mean? Yes, I mean, this Rocky is a Brock Lesnar-like this... like, turnaround to come to this sport and just become the man overnight, right? This is a, this is a movie. This, this, it is a movie, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, this is a movie, and um, Pereira, his, his role in it, we yet to see what, what, what's on the next generation, what's on the next fight, because the way that he's been able to just grow in the sport at the rapid speed he's been able to do, and then has his demeanor, I swear, like, cold. he's got such a cold, like, like, He's got bodies under his belt. You, you know what I'm saying? Like did he's you see got his bodies. celebration, Rashad? Did you see? Remember? Remember when Larry Bird was the coach of the Pacers and they hit that buzzer beater against the Bulls in '98 in that seven-game series? Yeah, and no. Reggie Miller hit that three and did that weird spin-around dance. And Larry Bird, they had the camera on him. He looked up, saw the shot, and he goes and just kept walking. Did you see Potato yeah. when he knocked out Izzy? And he's just like, "That's that's cold, stoic." No That's emotion. Cold. He's a real warrior. So, so let's follow up on that. Let's say that Izzy does the Marquez bit, bit knocks him out cold, right? If you're, if you're Pereira, do you go to 205? Do you try to get another fight with Izzy? What do you think? Because we talked about the guy is fucking huge. And it's not like the top of 205 is filled with, like, the most dynamic wrestlers. Well, I think, I think you got to go for Izzy again. I mean, I think, I think it has to Good be... Lord. If Izzy knocks him out, they're going again. They're <laughs> yeah, going it's again. Be, so? It's got to be a quintillagery. I mean, it, it's it's got to be number five. I mean, it's only going to be three fights in the UFC, so that'll be the third one. I mean, right. people would love to see that, right? I mean, I God, feel, poor Izzy. You, 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 I mean, it, it sucks either way, right? Because with the way rematches go now, if you're Pereira, which he was, yeah. you got to beat Izzy twice. Yeah. And if you're Izzy, you're going to have to end up beating that fucking guy twice yeah. before anyone gets any kind of decision yeah. here about... Who came out on top? It's crazy. But I mean, it, think about the relationship those two have. They have such a weird relationship, but they have a relationship. Yeah. When you're in there and you're fighting somebody and you're fighting them like that for four fights, you feel you, there's a connection. There's an unspoken connection. Like whenever I fought somebody, there was like a, there was some kind of bond. You know, how like they say, like ducks imprint on each other. Mm -hmm. There's some kind of imprinting when you fight somebody and it's a real tough fight where you like look in each other's eyes and like, yo, this motherfucker's still here. You know what I mean? Your foot still imprinted on Sean Sammy's face. Right <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there's, there's that thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, so yeah. The, these two are, they, they, they know each other so well yeah. and, and um, it's such an interesting dynamic. They would have to do it again. Even, by the way, even if Poetan won again, I still feel like these two are both gonna end up in light heavyweight. Sooner than later, you think right? So? They're yeah. both right around thirty-five. They're both, you know, have have had big success. But do you think Izzy? Do you? Because there was a point where we thought Izzy was going to move up. You know, he was a favorite to beat Blahovich. We were already talking about yeah. he was going to fight John for the heavyweight belt. I feel like since that somewhat humbling loss to Blahovich, we've seen Izzy come back down to earth. But the reality is, he's cleaned out this division like twice over, right? Right. Right. Do you see him staying at middleweight either way? No, I don't. I don't. That part I just really don't. It, the only thing that holds me back is, and I said this to Izzy last time I saw him. I saw him before 281. We got to go to the mansion he was renting. It was, it was a very nice mansion, Rashad. I have to tell you. But um, he looked much bigger than I'd ever seen him, and he got. Yeah. He wasn't quite cutting weight. It was a Tuesday of fight week. But I had asked him, I was like, are you putting on weight? And he was telling me it's a slow process he's been working towards to like ever so little each camp, a little more muscle, a little more muscle, a little more muscle, so that by the time that the decision comes to go to 205, you're already ready. You're not trying to right. just build up all of a sudden. So I do think he's got a future there. But at the same time, like, 
he's not as big and strong as like some of these other guys at 205 who are naturally. And everybody's going to follow the Blahovich playbook at, at 205. Again. Well, not yeah, everyone right? can follow the Blahovich playbook. Everyone thinks it's just taking Izzy down, but Blahovich had to stop his leg kicks first to put him in range. And then that jab became. And then the jab was key, obviously, and he had some other things. So I think he will go to 205, but it's not like I think. Even for Pereira, I'd like would you would you bet on either guy to go and take the weight class title right away? I mean, maybe, but it's not a slam dunk case. No, right? That's no, important. it's not. And I, and I say that because once you go to a new weight class, you got to feel out that weight class. Each weight class has a certain vibe, right? A certain style in which people are used to sure. fighting based upon the contenders in that weight class, right? So, in the light heavyweight weight class, they're not. They're not like the middleweight weight class as far as like their strengths, right? So Izzy would have to go there and kind of carve out a new stake at 205 or Pereira, carve out a new stake at that weight class to really make their style of fighting the predominant style, the predominant style, the style that's beaten everybody. I just think either way, they will fight again in the UFC. Mm. Either, either way, you know what I mean? Either division right there. But, um, you know, what, what a victory if Izzy pulls this off. It can do for all those kids with saggy nipples to have, you know, <laughs> to have that. Dude, that's his second saggy <laughs> oh nipple Oh, my gosh. Hold on, Rashad, don't laugh. That's his second saggy nipple joke of the week. I have very, very small amount of material. I mean, does Joe Rogan <laughs> dress like a busboy? That's for us to debate, right? That hey, does, Izzy know. just needs to go ahead and just kind of. I saw nipples. you. Get them nipples. I used Izzy to watch you do that if on you got TV. Got the saggy nipples? Just give him a little tweak. Yeah, uh, turn the high yeah, beams they're on. Tight, they're they're tight, turn the high beams on. Uh, so let's 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 talk about the reversal. So let's say Pereira wins, right? This puts him in a really, uh, I mean, just a totally dominant position. I wonder what it does for middleweight, Rashad, because here's the thing. Pop quiz, or not pop quiz, but rather, let me put you on the spot. If Pareto wins and his next fight is against Rob Whitaker, does Whitaker win? I would say probably. Right. And I say that because of the fact that Whitaker is much more well-rounded than Izzy. Sure. And I feel he has a wrestling, the imposing. And Bobby Knuckles is just so damn tough. Bobby is one of my favorite fighters in the weight class. But I feel like there's a whole slew of fighters, Hamzat included, that could definitely do some damage to Pereira because of the fact that they can be so dominant on the ground. Mm. And um, I feel like that's the biggest thing in, in Pereira's, you know, to his title. Like, if he can't keep guys from dominating on the ground, then is, he's only going well, to be it's going to be open be season because Izzy. Izzy's been atop this division yeah. for now. I mean, it seems like it came out of nowhere when he became the champion, but now you look back and you're like, I mean, he has beaten Whitaker twice. He has beaten everybody across the board. That's why, even if Izzy loses, we do have to have sort of legacy talks fairly enough. But I do agree that he's already achieved a certain level of, like, Hall of Fame, one of the greats. Right. But there was a season we were talking about him as potentially one of the all-time greats. Right, right, right. That would take a hit with back-to-back -back losses in this case. But if Izzy's no longer the champion, it would be open season and everybody thinking, oh, I've got a chance not only style-wise against Pedeta, but also he hasn't beaten me yet, you know, for the most part across the board. But who, you know, who's more likely to show dramatic improvements between these two fights in their own respective way? Who's more likely? Pedeta. 100%. He's got more to learn, so he yeah. has a much better learning curve. Yeah. Well, we can say that easily because he is the less overall experienced, but we haven't heard much from Izzy. In fact, I don't think he's actually done an official sit-down in the last, in the anything, last like, yeah. few weeks, maybe outside of UFC cameras. He did one in Australia or New Zealand for a radio station there. Okay. That was and several weeks did, ago. They put out a, a sit-down with him and John Anik on the UFC website last night that I think was filmed back at the Mah Mahachev fight in right, Perth. Right, so right, right. my question is this. like, When I say that, 
he could he could put put in the time as a wrestler. He could have. Just saying, look, yeah, but dude, hold this, on. this like, boogeyman has one glaring weakness, so why don't I expose yeah, that? Yeah, but the, but the idea I think that Rashad and I are pointing at, correct me if I'm wrong, Rashad, if you're, like, when you ask who's got more to learn, a white or a black belt, a white belt's going to have much more to learn, so they're going to mm-hmm. pick up a lot of things very quickly. If you're a black belt, you've already got a lot under there. How much better can you actually get? Not much better. You're already, you're already better, but in terms of your level of improvement, event to event, it's just, you, there's not as much to go. Right. You can't get that much better. So yeah, is yeah. the mystique of CKB as being... The no, nothing tactical changes. giants. Yes, there's no pressure on the CKB Dude, brand here to, to, to. Unless they turn in a stinker of a performance with a game plan, I think that their reputation as game planners is very much intact because it's not just the Izzy train. Remember, you've got Joe Lopez who was uh, Alexander Volkanovsky's trainer, but also now Eugene Behrman. Mm-hmm. Eugene Behrman, th- those guys. I have talked to Eugene Behrman a couple times, both on the record and a little bit off. Dude, when I tell you he has a level of thought that goes into game plan that I've just not even heard most other coaches even contemplate, I'm telling you, he's, he's, look at me, he's, put the camera on me, put the camera on me, ready, let's try it, I love doing this, let's see if we can get it going here, can I switch it up? I don't think they're listening. Yeah, they're not really listening, all right, I mean, we're just doing our best here, but I'll say it this way, he's that guy, when, when it comes to game plans, Eugene Behrman is that guy, make no mistake about it. But a game plan can be the smartest game plan in the world, and it doesn't mean it's perfect, and it doesn't mean it's going to work. And, and, and Izzy could gas himself out trying to be this wrestler out of nowhere. You've got to lean but, on but your strengths. Even, yeah. even the fact that whenever you're getting ready for a fight, you always want to kind of do things that you're familiar with. Even if you got embarrassed or knocked out of a fight, there's a certain routine that kind of fits your character and your person. right? So I say that because you know Izzy's been quiet this whole week. How does that play to the Izzy that we know, this kind of, you know, outgoing person who's always laughing, who's always, you know, has that outgoing energy. Does that affect his expression in the cage? Because he's one of those, he's an artist in every single form of the way. And, you know, the way he walks out and everything, he's so, he's such an artist to that point. And it's all about performance. So will not getting into the verbal side of things and not talking about the fight, with that effective performance, and I don't know because it, it kind of all goes together with the rhythm of the fight. You know, when I came in the fight week, I had a certain rhythm that I like to have in order to make me feel loose and relaxed on Saturday. This and is the rhythm of the fight. Boom. The oh, fight. Oh yeah. <laughs> if I had Ebola and a squirt gun, I would shoot you in the face. You see, you know, they don't like when I sing in my house, but I have an underrated high note. For, I for hear a it. You have a terrible falsetto. Okay. Oh, you're right, an idiot. All right. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the co-main event, if we can. I love this co-main event. This is going to be great. It's the Battle of Miami, although one guy is certainly much more Miami than the other. When Jorge Masvidal welcomes Gilbert Burns for a welterweight title. No, excuse me, a welterweight, well, title implications, BC, in this one? Well, we, sort of, maybe, spoiler right? Spoiler alert, we talked to Gilbert Burns in a sit-down that you can watch on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat ahead of this fight. And it's interesting, Rashad. It's been a lot of talk about this welterweight title decision. Uh, who's got next for Leon Edwards? Right. You know, Colby getting the push from Dana White in UFC. The fans want Bilal Muhammad. But what about this fight on Saturday? We know Gilbert's a big favorite. I know we're never going to count out Masvidal, and we'll get into all those reasons why. But Gilbert believes a finish, a knockout, really could be enough to sway the public, but most importantly, the UFC brass, that he should be next. Is, is that a legitimate take heading into this? I think it's definitely a legitimate take because at the end of the day, it's about selling pay-per-views, right? And if Gilbert goes out there and he has an impressive performance where he starts Jorge in some kind of unforeseen way, 
is going to get people talking. It's going to get the UFC excited. I wasn't in line to fight Forrest Griffin, but when I knocked out Chuck Liddell, <laughs> they had to give it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it, it's all in how you do things. You can make an interest that way. And the only reason why Kobe got jumped the line in front of everybody because he's got the name. He's got the name. He's got. He's going to bring the talking aspect of it. And Bilal is definitely well deserving of that shot, but he's lacking that that excitement factor for people to really see him fight. So was Leon. He had to wait a long ass time too. Yeah. It's the game. That's but the I game. But do, I do think, I will say this, I don't think the chances of, this is my personal opinion, I don't think the chances of Burns getting a title shot are great, but I do think that if he goes in there, and let's say he knocks him out, remember, remember Kamara's knockout of him, which was insane. Not, not, not yeah. of Burns, but of Masvidal, yeah, yeah. right? If he goes in there and does something yeah. kind of like that and then gets on the microphone and says, you know, Leon Edwards, you know, uh, you're next, or we got a time yeah. to, whatever, whatever the fuck he says. Some yeah. kind of like, <laughs> green panty night in the favela. Yeah, right? green yeah. panty night. Yeah. If he goes in there and stakes his claim, I think there will be some kind of push to be like, wait a second, this guy's out here blowing the fucking doors off of people. Remember, he just finished Neil Magny right. like it was. Nothing. 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 Right? And dude, Neil Magny, that's a hard guy to like, just make him look like a chump. And, yeah, and it's a so, hard night. Right? So he does that. Then let's say he goes in there to, against Jorge. People are going to be like, wait a second, this guy's out here fighting Hamzat Chemaev, taking fights against Neil Magny that he right. doesn't have to take. Then he waits for Jorge, because Jorge said no apparently a bunch of times, and then knocks him out. How the fuck do you look past that guy I like that? that? Yeah. Right? And he's a savage. And have you noticed this? Like the crowd. Maybe it's the, the violence of the Hamzat fight and then waking up and being like, wow, this is kind of who Gilbert's been all along. Fans love Gilbert right yeah, now. They like, do. like he's become one of those living legend action heroes that they want. And at 36, he's obviously a lot closer to peak prime title contention than where the current Masvidal is. But I don't think Gilbert's lost much when we're talking about age. I think he's used the experience. I think when we talked to him, we heard the maturity, and this is the first time I've given up sweets. Like, you know, he is really ready to, like, Sugars I mean, when you get to that point, you got to that point at some point in your career, and you're probably in your early 30s, right? Where it's yeah. just sort of like, if I stop all that shit, you know what I mean? If I stop yeah. worrying, if I stop this, if I start doing this, could I be even better, right? Yeah, and, and I've watched, you know, Gilbert evolve ever since, you know, he first came to the Black Zillions with Vitor Belfort. And just to watch his progression, you know, trying to struggle to make it to 155 to now being comfortable at 170 and to now, you know, being the opportunity that he is right now up in the top five, up in the upper echelon of the, the welterweight class, you know, he's a different fighter, but he's got this belief in himself that he's just been growing over time. He works with a, a, a mental coach oh, yeah. and he's really good about handling that part of the game, yeah. weeding out that mental guard and making sure there's no weeds that sprout on fight night. And, and, it's, and that's a full-time job, but you don't see a lot of fighters really dedicate themselves to the mental aspect of it and just really embracing what the fight's gonna bring because you can say, yeah, I had a great practice, I'm kicking ass in practice, but it's not the same as fight night. For some reason on fight night, the thoughts that come into your head, they're just ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> they're laughable and that's part of the fight itself. How do you make it through that? But Gilbert has found a way to really mentally make himself such a strong giant, and everything is just coming together for him. All right, Luke, he's super dangerous, Gilbert Burns. We're kind of counting out Jorge for the age, for the style reasons, but he will be in front of the he's hometown. He's also on a losing streak. And even though it's a three-fight losing streak that was against the super elite and two gentlemen, you know, in particular Colby and twice against Usman, what will that factor be of this is his last chance mixed with that home 
pop he's going to get for 305. We're starting to see him featured again. Brett Okamoto did the ESPN drive along in his old neighborhood. It's like it's almost like 2019 all over again, but it's 2023. Uh, Masvidal. So how dangerous could could the very best version of 38-year-old Masvidal still be for Burns? I mean, certainly not one you could just look the other way on, right? right? That would be real stupid. And I don't think Gilbert's doing that. He's just, to your point, he just, he, he seems to be the kind of guy who wants to cross every T, dot every I, and make the most of his opportunities. And I think he probably will. I, um, and also Gilbert said something to us that I thought was kind of interesting, Rashad, which was, he's like, you know, he didn't think it was a great look that essentially Jorge had said this week, you know, if I lose, I might be done. You know, it's possible. He didn't like that, but he goes, I'll tell you what, you know, here's how I view that. I view that as, okay, then that means he's going to be extra dangerous because this is it. This is the last yeah. run. This is the last push. He's not going to let me just – he's not going to lay down for me. So how dangerous do I think he is? I mean, I, I just – man, 38 at 170 pounds is a bad place to be. Yeah. It's a bad place oh, to I be. mean, did, did, did Tomasovall look bad against Colby when we look back at the last time we saw him? Did no, he, he didn't look – okay, okay, he didn't look bad. He did look old for 170, for 170. Again, if we're at heavyweight, it's a very different conversation. But at 170 pounds, Rashad, there was the stat that got circulated. So it was 125 to 170 title fights. What was the record of any fighter 35 and above? Ready? Mm -hmm. For 125 to 170, it was 2 and 28. For 185 on up, it's basically 50-50. Right? And who were the two again? Do you remember? It was was, the only two were Tyron Woodley. That was it. Right? So I'm pointing out something here. This is not a title fight, but it is just a step down from that. And you got a guy who's 38. That's a tough place to be, bro. It, it is, you know, but I look at some of the things that Gamebred does really well. You know, he's he's got such a slick striking style, and it's very hard to really understand how hard it is and how difficult he is until you're standing in front of him. You know, I trained with him a long time ago, back in the day when he was uh, – you know, just getting into, just getting into it with with uh, with American Top Team and things like that, and uh, he had pretty tricky stand up back then, and now he's gotten more comfortable with it. But like you said, it's what has this age brought. But I would say more, what has the success outside the cage brought, because that's what really starting to get you to think as a fighter, damn, this is a hard way to make a living. And you know, when you start pulling in checks from doing other things, mm-hmm. that takes a lot less. <laughs> the fight life seems to be a lot hard. You gotta be, you gotta be savage about it. You gotta keep a hand on a savage pulse in order for you to mentally go out there and compete with these savages out there. And I think it may be some of the success that he's had on the outside. Of course, that what he does in the cage propels what he does on the outside of the cage. But sometimes the the the, the private jets and just living that superstar lifestyle it softens you up. That's funny, because I, I agree. I mean, look, there, there's a difference between 2019 and 2023, Jorge Masvidal, and it's four years of age in a lot of ways. And also, 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 also having been viciously KO'd. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But also, like, what made him so special in that 2019? Because he wasn't that same fighter in the previous years. He was sometimes really good and sometimes mm-hmm. not so much. Remember the, that, that Wonder Boy fight? But, you know, it was that belief in himself, but he was still trying to prove Oof. that year. Prove to yeah. to a lot of ways that he's legitimate and not a journeyman, but also, like you're saying, to finally get that public validation mixed with the money that all this grind was worth it. Right. And, I, you know, I watched that length the ride, ride along he did with Brett. And, you know, I think there is some sort of, you know, he's sitting there going, 
look, when I retire, I'm probably going to be 250 pounds instantly. You know what I mean? So you can see already sort of the one foot out the door. Does he still have that motivation? I don't know if even the hometown crowd and the one last chance narrative could propel him to where he was in 2019 because that was a special time in a special athlete's life where everything came together and he seemed to have a somewhat spiritually rebuilding moment in the in the jungles there of Central America when he did that reality show. He found his why or he found whatever it was and that can only, sometimes only last a season in elite sports. It really can. Yeah. It's hard to ask him to be that same guy four years later. It but really he, is. he was starving then. Right. Starving for that opportunity. Starving to get his place. Seeing all these new up-and-coming guys pass him by. And like, I've been here way before these guys have. It's my time. That's what got him to that point. It's that hunger. Has his hunger been satiated? I think a That's little a bit. Question. You know, and the point, too, again, irrespective of age, um, I remember he came off of that reality show. We did an interview with him. I was at SiriusXM at the time, and he sounded different. He sounded like a little bit, not meaner, but um, just clearer about everything that he was ready to offer and what he had to do. But you know what's interesting about? It? I, I always, I've, I kinda, I've always had a great deal of respect for Jorge's skill set, and even to this day, he's super well rounded and always has been. But he was always that guy that, like, before the big breakthrough. Jorge was the guy who gave Gilbert Melendez a tough fight in strike force, but didn't beat him. You know, like yeah. all the guys that other fighters would be like, oof, he's tough. Like, he's tough. But he couldn't quite get over the hump. But in 2019, he just let it all go. All right. And then he had what he had. But the problem is, I think it was, it feels to me like it was at the very end of his prime. He finally got everything right where it needed to be. He got what he could out of the experience. He maximized it. But you can't. It's hard to keep that up, especially as you get to 37, is. I mean, 38. Rashad, in hindsight, if we could have got you licking toads after the, the Machida fight, like directly <laughs> after, right? Right? Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you would have never lost again. It, it you know what it, I mean? It would have definitely been a perspective shift because, you know, I, I would say it was everything I had outside of MMA that softened me up, that made training and doing what I needed to do to get ready for the fight a lot harder. Let me, you ask, you, let me ask about that if I yeah. may. When you say it made you softer, A, what does that mean? And B, were those things just part of life? Like having kids, for example, something like that. Well, it was, uh, some of it was a part of life, but a lot of it was, you know, enjoying the life. Hanging out, partying. You know, you get involved in different circles from, you know, all kinds of different people you see on TV. And you're like, oh, I'm a celebrity. You start hanging out with these people. He rolls with Tyson, bro. And right. you, you, get, you get, <laughs> but you start living a different life and you start to, to um, not be in the gym as much. You stop being a gym rat. You stop being around the sport. You train when you have to. You, you, you start to be like, oh man, today I gotta train. You know, you start to be good training because of the fact that you've, you've started to live this other part of your life. And um, I would say when you're in that position, you gotta keep your, your, your nose just right, on the grind and just got to keep it on the grind, got to keep pushing forward because if you don't, it's it's very easy to just start falling away from that hunger yeah. and that grind and that savagery that you need to be and, tough. And dude, Burns has scary hunger, yep. scary savagery, yep. the, abil more, the ability to win fights in more areas. He seems to be a little bit pressure. Uh, fresher. This is a this is an uphill battle for, for Jorge. I mean, I'll just say this. This is a big time uphill. There's battle. no doubt in my mind that Jorge is very dangerous and should be taken seriously. But there's also no doubt in my mind that Burns wants it more. Yeah. There's just not a doubt at all. Like he 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 was even saying like he didn't even want to put the words into the universe about what it would mean for his career to finish without getting a title. Like he doesn't even want to say it. Not superstitiously, but just not 
not to give it life, to right. give it oxygen. He wants to make sure that there's not that. And, you know, I think, I think if it ends up where he doesn't have a title at the end of his career, I think he still will find some peace with it. But I understand, like, he's so complete. He still has, like, Jorge did a lot with his career. In the end, like, it all happened kind of late. Right. But he did a lot. And Burns has done a lot, too. But I don't think Burns has had that moment of satisfaction where The Rock is putting a fucking belt on you. Yeah. It's like, like, Gilbert's never been that guy. Um, and I think he still wants it, you know. And I think that, 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 to me, that's the biggest difference between these two, aside from age and stuff like that. All right, let's talk a little bit more about what's on this card. Uh, BC, very excited about this. He loves MK. He wants some gear. We got to get him some gear. We got to put Adrian Yanez in a bomber jacket. <laughs> no, I'm going to say. I'm Can we say, get Rashad some gear first? Of I mean, all I got one shirt. I got that's one it. shirt. It's probably that's tight it. too. You know, but you <laughs> only have one shirt. I got one shirt. That's uh, it. Dude, that's, that's bullshit. We got to get you. A, we got to get you a bomber jacket. I mean, I don't know when you would wear it in South Florida. I mean, but. I'll wear it every time I'm going somewhere. <laughs> I promise. Uh, his name actually is pronounced. This is true. Yanez. The N has an Enye, but if we want to say Yanez, it's fine. BC, love this contest. Yes. He is five and zero in the UFC. Obviously, has more fights than that. Gets right in the pocket. Did we, I talked to him. His favorite other fighters are like Canelo and other boxers. He really sees himself in that way, although now he's got a Muay Thai coach that he has helped sort of round out his game. He's taking on Rob Font. Rob Font, shouts to Rob Font, boy. Never had an easy fight in the octagon fucking ever. John Lineker before anyone wanted to fight him. Uh, Jose Aldo and everything else, but he's also older. He took a year off. Great matchmaking. Love this okay. matchmaking. Two great boxers. Let me jump in and tell you why I love this matchmaking-wise. Yanez looks to be a future player in this division, which happens to be uh, one of the deepest in the game, okay? Um, but he hasn't beaten anybody on the Rob Font level yet. He's got a seven-fight win streak, won all five fights in the UFC, shows a plus-level understanding of adapting boxing to the modern MMA game. But we can't count out Rob Font yet. And the odds makers aren't. This is close on paper. Rob Font's already saying this will be the guaranteed fight of the night. But even though Rob Font's coming off a year away from the game and two losses at the high level, that four-fight win streak before that, which was like Simone, it was like Garbrandt, it was uh, two other, big, one, there's one, two other in there. One of them is like the most impressive name of the group. Oh, Sergio Pettis in there as well. I mean, he put together a run. He proved that he's of the elite of this division. He's been a little bit away. He's had a couple missteps. But I like what he's talked about in the interviews of like, this fight is about maintaining what I have, reminding everybody I'm still here. We can't forget that this is the toughest opponent Giannis has faced up to this point, and he's super hungry at 35 to remind you that he's still here. Fight of the night potential, huge, yes. But this is going to be really hard for your boy here. Yeah, and I don't is. mean Eric Anders, okay? This is going to be really hard. I mean, how how good is Giannis during this win streak of what he could be in your eyes? Oh, my goodness. I, I love to watch Giannis fight. He reminds me of game bread, and that's why I'm so surprised that both fighting on the same card. I yeah. mean, is there going to be back-to-back um, game breads fighting? But, I mean, his fighting style is something that I, I love since the minute I've heard this story, you know, about his dad taking him to, you know, drive by and get him into fighting and, and drive by that uh, the Toyota Center and say one day you're going to be fighting there and he actually did fight there and his dad passed away. That, that, that moved me, but just to watch the fighter he was, to watch his spirit, you know, just to watch the way he carries himself. He's such a poised young man, such a poised young man, and that poise it, it, it really reflects in the way he fights. When he's in the pocket, he's not afraid. He goes in there. He's, you know, ten toes down, and he's exchanging, <laughs> and he's going to let it go. And for me, I, I love his style. I feel he's going to, you know, walk Rob Font down and really just give it as good as he's get it, give it as good as he's going to give it and still be there. The only concern I have, Rashad, I wonder what you make of this, is just the longevity of that style. 
So if you just look at his career numbers, it's not like he gets hit a ton, but he does get hit above average. And I feel like, you know, it's interesting. You see a lot of these young guys who I think have recognized that MMA striking is, you know, obviously always changing, but room to improve. And they take some of the sharpness that comes from professional boxers and they want to bring some of those hands to the game, which he's done. But you got to put yourself in the line of fire in MMA to do that. So I think you end right. up taking a lot of punches or strikes in general. So he, he's got a bit of a Max Holloway thing. Where he kind of gets dinged up a little bit early and then begins to just take things away and then really assert. And then by round two or three, you know, it's kind of over for you at that point. But still, I wonder about the longevity of a style like that. What do you make? It's a tough style. It's a tough style. You watch Justin Gaethje. You know, he's he's known for such a, a, a blitzing style where he's able to land these big shots and, you know, throw from the 50-50 point of view, meaning he can get hit just as well as he can give it. Um, that, that style... It does age you quickly in the fight game. But one thing I see in Yanez's style is the fact that he, he does get angles. And yes, I feel like sure. getting angles is is a key to really making so that you're able to let your hands go like that. At the same time, your opponent's not able to give it back because in order for him to get, give it back, he's got to turn and face you and he's going to be turning into punches. So I feel like with that said, um, He's evolving his game. And the simple fact that he's brought a new coach in, a new Muay Thai coach doing more in Muay Thai, is going to evolve that game where he's going to start to use more of his long weapons, and then that will kind of alleviate some of that bang and distance from the short weapons of his hands. Luke, what do you think we learned from the two-fight losing skate of Rob Font, uh, the, the second one being the Cheeto Vera fight, in terms of, like, that four-fight win streak before there was like, okay, this guy might be ready for that upper, upper group, and the upper group at Bantamweight is, is more impressive to say than most divisions. Did, 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 what happened? That Does he take a step back from those defeats, or is it more like retool, he's been off for a year, and let's come back for the one thing, more big the run? The thing for me is this. He also lost to Lineker early in his UFC run, but he went the distance, by the way. Like, he went all three rounds with Lineker, who is just, you know, I mean, like little Angano with the punching power, right? So he was actually able to withstand all of that, like much like Cheeto Vera did. But to me, the problem was basically has come around that if he, when he's got a real clear skill differential, well, he eats those guys alive. When they're, it's a little bit more give and take, there's not enough firepower. There's not enough. It's just much more defensively oriented. His defense is great. Like, he's, he's always laterally moving. He takes angles. He can slip punches and counter. But it just seems that he ends up succumbing a little bit to the upper echelon's offense much more. And that, this makes sense. Like, yes, better guys are going to have better offense. But it almost turns him into a, like, if he's a nine, uh, in certain fights, it almost turns him back to a f six or a five. He just can't seem to get going. With Yanez, I think that he might have a reach advantage. I believe he does mm -hmm. have to double check that. Mm -hmm. If I'm him, man, one of the things that Rob Font has always had a good version of is a jab. His jab yeah. is excellent. He sets everything up behind the jab. To me, it's it's about, dude, you got to make that jab count for more sure. than just volume and angle changing. It's got to pump that guy's face backwards the whole time, right? Or at least, you know, key components. That's I do my see people view. willing and ready to, to crown Yanez, though, before this fight. He hasn't beaten anybody on this level. Like, like yeah. not no, even close, not. really, to but, be fair. But I would say that I would say that Rob Font is kind of made for Yanez in, our, in the respect that one thing I noticed about Ron Fought is that he's one of those guys who rocks the high guard. You know, yes. he, he'll, he'll cover up high, high and, and it's good for keeping yourself from getting hit with the big shots, but you blind yourself. I used to love to fight guys who would completely put their hands up because that would mean I had my whole wrestling game open, you know, yeah. and eventually I'm going to be able to get something through. So defensively speaking, Rob Font 
has to be a lot better. He has to cover up, but at the same time, don't get stationary and static and stay here and wait for the guy to stop punching. You got to cover up and also move your feet in conjunction with the defense that you're putting up because if you don't, you're a sitting duck. And with somebody with hand speed like Inez and with punching IQ like Inez, he's going to find a shot. Yo, yo, Adrian, you know? Yeah. Yo, Adrian. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's I love the matchmaking to your point because if Yanez wins, best win in his career by far. He's ready for that. That, that big step. That big step, And yeah. Bantamweight, so hot right now. Just a fun division. But if, if Font wins, it's a big, like, you almost a forgot moment, right? It's Absolutely. a big, like, let, let you know what time it is. I'm not done here. Um, he's also taken a lot of damage at this point, too, between the Vera and especially the Aldo fight. He got banged up in that fight yeah. a lot. So in one sense, we're talking about Yun as a style. Font has been put through the ringer a little bit as well. By the way, big golfer, uh, Rob Font. I don't know if you know uh, that. Yeah, okay. Got a new podcast, The Font Forecast with Mike Owens Media. Yeah, yeah. yeah, big, yeah he's big a big golfer. He's guys. a big golfer. Hey, could we talk about Raul Rosas Jr.? Uh, any thoughts? Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Kind of a fun Walter Ray. Oh, that's, that's going to be a lot little of bit fun. of war at Walter Ray. Yeah, that, that's, right? that's going to be a lot of fun, man. I mean, I love to watch Kevin Holland fight. Coming off two losses, oh, although the Wonderboy one was weird because it got stopped due to the injury or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but he's still. I mean, I, the Hamza one was weird too because the it was Hamza last one minute. was weird because Hamza just kind of ran him over. But you know, all right, whatever. This is still at 170. I like this fight for him. But here, here's the thing, though. I, I, I kind of wonder though, how much does Kevin Holland still believe in himself? Like you remember that when he was fighting during the pandemic and he had all those like four fights in a row and he was, you know, almost fighter of the year based on the fact that he was so busy and he was winning these fights. But after he's gotten beat, he seemed to have lost that that I want to fight everybody mindset. I remember introducing him to Israel Adesanya and they almost get into a fight. This kid wanted to fight everybody, you know? And I don't see that anymore in him. So I want to see, I, I'm, I'm wondering, has does he still believe in himself the same way as he once did? Because he's got all the talent in the world. For me, it's just a matter, does he still believe? Well, I don't, you know, I don't think he's, met, it's weird. He's tried very hard to show he was one of the, the pandemic fighters that, that really got attention because there was opportunity there and he took it. And he's like, I'll fight anybody at any time. And even him, you know, he even admits in the moment taking that, that uh, Hamza fight last minute, like, was that the best career move? You know what I mean? To just sort of slide opponents like that and slide in and face that guy. I think sometimes even style-wise, sometimes you see him talking a lot and we like that from an entertainment standpoint, but is that taking off the focus from how good he can be? The move down in welterweight did open my eyes because- It was, he, it was hugely important. He proved that the that the physical cut doesn't diminish him. So if yeah. he can keep up that gas tank and be in an in a, in a exciting chain wrestler and wear people out, and, and we know he loves to throw hands in there, but I just feel like sometimes it's still, the, he's on the seat of his pants. He's always mm -hmm. ready for that next opportunity or big moment. And he likes to swing big. A little bit more calculation and care. It's in him to be a contender, to be to be absolutely He's got pop. He's it. got interesting striking. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Travis Luter, which is, I'm sure, very difficult to get. Like, he's got some things there. You could do something with He doesn't panic yeah. in, in bad situations either. Like he's No, he's, he doesn't panic. That's right. And again, he, he's fought super tough. Dude, he knocked out Joaquin Buckley. Yeah. I mean, fucking A, dude. That's hard to do. Like, and he did it. So so I, I think he's got some ability. Ponza Nibio um, had a bit of a rough start since his return to the UFC, but I think has looked a little bit better of late. Um, should be a fun contest, but let's talk about the one you want to get to, El Rosas Jr. I got to tell you here, Rashad, I am... How do I say this? I'm not a skeptic of his upside per se. I just don't love the fervor behind it. Everyone's like, oh my God, this kid is amazing. He's going to be champion one day. Look how awesome he is. I'm like, guys, he's fucking 18. You have no concept of whether he's going to be a champion or not. Certainly what I've seen on tape is good, but it doesn't 
at this stage indicate to me anything even approximating yeah, but that championship UFC debut value. to me was different than the Dana White Contender Series close-up, which it was like, you know, because we all have that fear. Is it too much too soon? PVZ, yeah. uh, uh, Sage Northcutt, is it too much He's too better soon? than them, He's yes. better than them. He's a physical presence. But didn't his UFC debut pop? I mean, you were just like... I did not have that pop, no. I, I, it, it popped for me. I was, I was impressed the fact that, you know, like I said, it's, it's the poise. And I know what it's like to make that walk. When you make that walk and you got the lights and you got the fans, it's just different, you know? So you're overcoming a big part of yourself and the poise that he had inside that cage that night, it really it really showed me that he's years ahead of his time. But how far, right? And, and this big stage is gonna really tell that because, I mean, the, the, the more you climb and the more your challengers are better ranked, it's going to get harder. It's going to get a lot harder. And how does he handle that? How does, is he still poison there? Who, who knows? Here's the thing for me, Rashad. I'm not saying he won't be champion. That's not what I'm declaring. Uh, nor am I declaring that he will be champion. What I'm declaring is it's way, way too early to know. And here's how I know this. At 18, yeah, he's starting to get a little bit of that man strength and he's starting to feel himself. And he's quite obviously talented. Please make no mistake about this. But if he has an injury from a camp and he goes into a fight and he takes a fucking beating at 19 or 20 years old and it messes with him a little bit and now it impacts his development, it gets everything off track. Your development in this game Is has to be done correctly. And if you go to the yeah. Ultimate Fighting Championship at age 18, and by the way, obviously he's Mexican-American, he speaks Spanish, so he can do media in two languages. They're already pumping. He's charismatic. His, in his he's own charismatic. Yeah. No, he's a great kid. There's nothing wrong with the kid. What I'm trying to get people to understand and what I feel, Rashad, is that, dude, if you make a mistake on his development when he's already in the UFC, the consequences of that can be catastrophic. It can derail him badly. So my thought is, let's see what he's got, but let's take our time with this kid. That's all I'm saying. I 100% I agree, and the thing is, when you go in there and you have these fights that you're speaking about where you get the brakes beat off you, right, it's traumatizing. And, and that trauma, it sticks with you for a while because you know what's on the other side mm -hmm. of your having your hand raised. You know what a bad night feels like, whereas before you had that experience, you don't know. So you're fighting from a different place. Once you get beat up, it changes everything. It completely, and if once you get injured, that changes everything. And once you get success, that changes everything. So it's like all these different things at 18 years old, can be hard to manage, and especially if you're a kid who's not used to a lot of attention. Sure. You right. know, maybe made front of, called names or whatnot. Now you feel like you're in a power spot. He was you know, just those, in high school, Rashad. Those, yeah, so yeah, those, but he those does are seem, a lot of different uh, things. He seems that, wired he for seems, it. He seems wired for better things. Yes. Don't okay, rush but they're not give, I mean, Don't What's the guy's it. name that he's fighting? Christian Gutierrez, I think so is his name. So he's 8-1 overall. He's 1-1 since making his UFC This debut. isn't rushing it, but to, here's, here's the point I want to make about what Rashad was talking about. I don't have the thing in front of me. I'll look it up. But what I was saying is maybe it's not the competition, but maybe between, hey, you're now, you could be a budding Latin American star for us. We need you to go fly and do this promotion, and he's a big star here, and now the people he's changing or hanging out with has changed, and yeah. he, all, anything, yeah. anything can derail you. But let's talk, okay, but let's be honest, because this is real talk like men do. At the end of the day, it's about <laughs> entertainment, which is fueled by business. So for the UFC, He's not of huge use to them if he ends up being a pretty decent average fighter. Right. He's only of use to them if he has a chance at igniting the Mexican-American market, becoming this huge story because he's literally a teenager doing this, and 
getting closer to threatening John Jones's record as the youngest champion. That's where the value is. So yeah, but that's yeah, the value yeah, for the I UFC, would, dude. I don't care about the value for the I UFC. Get I that. care about his life and his value. I get that. And but his what future. I'm ultimately trying to say is, if they put him in there with the top, you know, four or five guy right now, yeah, that could be promotional malpractice. But short of that, he's willing right now to show right. that he's a star. They're willing to take that chance. So nothing's going to stop that, Luke. I mean, you know, I mean, look at, but it, you're right. I mean, look at Edwin Shabazian. And that's a good, and that is a, a good person to bring because in Edmund, you know, I, I've watched him have that, that hype and then have that hype busted and then to see what comes out on the other side. Yeah. And he had to have a whole restructuring process where he ended up leaving his old team and kind of had to find himself all over again. And, that, and that's the life of a fighter. That's the life of, of figuring things out. And it goes to your point. We don't know what can happen from 18 to whenever he. I don't think UFC is worried about that. Though is really what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Well, that's I, I don't. We don't have to do what the promoter wants here. And I also, right. I remember the days of David Terrell. Remember David Terrell knocks oh, out yeah. Matt Lindland. Oh yeah. He's the next big thing, and then he gets. I think who's the Evan Tanner uh, whooped him up or yeah. somebody did, and he was never the same. He was never the same after that. So. Just be careful is all I'm saying. All right. That is it for us, ladies and gentlemen. We hope we got you ready for UFC 287. A couple other bangers, by the way. Gastelum versus Chris Curtis. A couple other bangers. Good great fight. Great fight. I'm glad you brought that up. The entire prelim card is great. Also, don't forget, after the fights, come back here, youtube.com slash morning combat. I'll be doing the uh, the post-fight show live as soon as UFC 287 is over. Hey, Rashad, great job today. I'm glad you were Thank here, you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys yeah. having me back. It's good to be back, man. It is good can, to be can back. Can I get in the, uh, in the flow of things again? Yeah, yeah. come on. Come can on. we we'll get this guy back. outfitted in our own? <laughs> got to get him a bomber yeah, jacket. Yeah, let me get some, some gear. underwear with our face on it. Uh, right, right, near the, <laughs> right near the hole, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's Rashad Evans, the Hall of Famer. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Thank you guys so much for watching. And until next time, enjoy the fights.